it's a double feature. That's right. This week, I'm not giving you one, but two episodes. So welcome back to another amazing episode of We Don't Sip Tea, We Drink Wine. She just want to work and pay her bills. Uh-huh. Fuck up on a man who keep it real. That's right. She just want a girl to know the deal. They do. She just told her boss just how she feels. Fuck you. She just hit the club up on a Thursday. Told the bartender I ain't feeling thirsty. Took a couple shots just like it's her birthday. And welcome back, y'all. This is episode two of We Don't Sip Tea, We Drink Wine. <laughs> this episode, we speak to Jared Dimitri. He is the executive director for Volatile Online Magazine. I just love this magazine. This is not my first time interviewing Jared. I think this is actually like my third. Uh, we've had so many great conversations and interviews. He lends such an amazing ear to the voice of fashion, especially Black people in the Black community within the fashion industry. So please sit back, relax, grab your wine, because I got mine. As a matter of fact, let me tell you what I'm sipping on. This episode, I'm sipping on... Now, don't judge me, y'all, because this is an Austrian wine, and I really (laughs) am not going to say this right. (laughs) So, it is Gruner Veltliner 2020. (laughs) It's Von Donnebaum. Um, I will be posting the wines that I drink on my page. So let me do that for you guys so you can know exactly what I'm sipping on. Uh, This is a Riesling wine. I actually really enjoyed it. It wasn't bad. It has a very um bitter taste to it not bitter I don't want to say bitter I think that like sounds bad (laughs) but it's not sweet uh sometimes you can get Rieslings and they're semi-sweet but this one wasn't that at all so which I enjoyed because I'm actually no longer into sweet wines so this was perfect um so check it out you can go to my page on ig at we drink wine underscore and see what type of wine i am sipping on now let's get to our interview with jared shall we hello hey how are you i am good i'm good how are you good welcome yeah yeah yeah. this is actually my first time using anchor so this is going to be very interesting but i'm excited Oh, yay. Welcome. (laughs) Well, this is not your first time on the podcast, so that's amazing. Welcome back to another awesome episode of We Don't Sip Tea, We Drink Wine. (laughs) Yes, glad to be back. Thank you for the invite, as always. I think this is, what, my third time coming up on the trifecta right now? Yeah, yeah. You're like a vet. It's nice. I love it. (laughs) I love having you on here because um, I love the conversations that we have about fashion Mm -hmm. and fashion is something that I'm very passionate about aside from, um, you know, just talking social justice stuff. Um, But I love fashion and um, I think black people in fashion uh, should be more relevant. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are the wave. So I always just want to talk to you about it. And so thank you so much for always agreeing to come back. Of course, of course. I mean, and we are like in in a big way, um, we make 
the cool. A lot of times we make things popular, but when it comes to the ownership, um, that's where we lack in. Uh, when it comes to kind of like the business operations on the back end, that's what we lack. We, we're great at the publicity of fashion. We are horrible at the business of fashion. Agreed. Agreed. So introduce yourself to the people again for those who have not ever seen you on We Don't Sleep Till We Drink Wine. Um, yes. So just introduce yourself to the people. Let them know who you are, where you're from and what you're about. Yes. Hello, everybody. So uh, I am Jared Dimitri. I am a fashion director um, in New York City, the executive director for Volatile Magazine, as well as a professional fashion photographer, um, working with different uh, modeling agencies of IMG, Wilhelmina, Muse, New York Model Management, so on and so forth. I keep going. Um, and then, of course, working with a lot of designer brands, both throughout the United States, um, as well as internationally. Um, so that's pretty much my quick summary uh, about who I am and what I do. Yes. Now talk about Volatile and what the magazine is about and how it got started. Yeah. So Volatile really got started uh, from an inspiring point from a few uh, pretty major people that I was kind of talking to at the time, uh, one being Precious Lee um, and then the other being L. Peoples Wagner. Uh, who you guys, if you're following, is now the editor-in-chief of The Cut. Um, but at the time that I was speaking with her, she was working with Team Vogue. Um, and the catalyst for it was really just because there were no designer high fashion magazines that were fully Black. None were kind of really just featuring people of color, keeping up with uh, what Black designers were doing or what Black creatives were doing, um, all Black models, things of that nature. Um, you might have ones that will do the Black issue this month, or you'll have some that might feature people here and there. Um, but there were no mediums that were completely for us, led by us, and that were kind of speaking to us from not only just the pop culture entertainment type of position, but also the actual business position of it, the industry position of it, and the education position of it. Mm, that's so true um every single time i see y'all post i'm always educated on something i'm like oh man i didn't know that happened or i didn't know this was happening or, i didn't know this was going on you guys yeah. are always educated and just from just not just from a fashion standpoint but just from the optics of the background of fashion like the inside outs of what's going on behind the scenes of it as well yeah, we have to. And I, I love seeing uh, you pop up in our comments. And then, of course, just, you know, the support in general, the likes and everything. I mean, it definitely always means a lot. And then it definitely doubled down. It means even more when I can find out you learned something from it or kind of you was put on to new information, because that's the goal. I mean, overall, everybody thinks about fashion in a very finite way. It's a very narrow minded aspect of you're either a designer, you might be a photographer and then where well, you can be a model. But I'm like, those three things are not the only things that make up fashion. I mean, it's a multi-trillion dollar industry at this point uh, with the richest person on earth, Bernard Arnault, um, CEO of LVMH, um, is, you know, the number one on the net worth list throughout the world. Mm -hmm. So that shows how influential and how powerful uh, fashion is um, and how diverse it is as far as monetary means, still not by ethnic means, but monetary it's it's a lot of positions it's a lot of things to get into 
Absolutely. Um, how important is it for Black people to have high fashion magazines? I think it's extremely important. Um, and because, I mean, when you just think about what representation does for a young mind, that usually is one of the, the things that kind of shapes people's future, uh, whether positive or negative. There aren't a lot of, you know, I mean, it's, it's a reason why most of our young kids always want to be in hip hop or an athlete, because that's where you see most successful black people. Um, mm -hmm. People usually do what they see. We're visual creatures. Uh, you know, even as a kid, they'll tell you, uh, do what you hear, not what you see me do. However, what do kids always do? They do what they see, not what they're being told. Right. Um, and the same thing comes down just as far as uh, press. I mean, it's why media is so powerful. Um, they know how to put out things. That, that's why propaganda is so powerful. What you show people is usually where they fall into. So having a black magazine that's really focused on us from a high standpoint, because I mean, of course, we have ones that are like urban media, uh, like I said, pop entertainment, we have those, but designer, high fashion, industry fashion, um, we don't have any of those. Right. So doing that kind of just shows in a very professional and organized way what's happening from our point of view in the depths of fashion uh, from people who are in the industry uh, on a daily, daily and con a weekly basis. I agree. I agree. So how often do you guys publish a new issue? So we're moving probably every, so we're a hundred percent digital um, just because building the business out usually to build a brand on average takes about four years. Mm -hmm. So when I look at the trajectory of where everything is going, everything is going digital. So, I mean, I could kind of try to do the push and go to print so on and so forth, but I don't know how long, of a tenure that would be. Right. So no, everything is going digital. So right now we'll probably do a new cover every season. We're trying to double down and do a new cover every month. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's something to look forward to come 2022. Uh, but we are always updating with multiple news stories on the daily. Um, it's yeah. always on the weekly different things coming out, whether it's short blog formats or more extended formats from everything from politics to entertainment to business. Uh, to runway. Of course, with New York Fashion Week coming up, we'll be seeing a lot of runway stories kind of behind the scenes, uh, as well as we really get into the history of fashion from the Black perspective, where we kind of try to give a lot of context, uh, introduce people to some of the pioneers that they may have never heard of. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. And I'm glad that you're doing that as well, because that's been kind of my goal um, to just introduce Black people to Black people they never heard of and Black people we never learned about just so you can learn about them. Because there's a lot mm -hmm. of us out here that's done some amazing things for the culture and just for the world. We've made differences and everything. So I just try to educate our people about that. So thank you for doing that as well. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. It's one of, uh, I guess, just my, my innate uh, or natural and organic kind of pulling points internally that it's like, oh, well, you, you really got to do this to kind of feed your soul and something that's going to really make you feel like you're really doing something and mm -hmm. satisfy yourself. So being able to combine a passion with what I think is also a purpose um, in this format, being fashion is something that's, you know, just I feel like what I might be here to do amongst my, many other things I probably will do. I'm 29, so I still got a lot of time, but um, I'm definitely trying to check off one box uh, yeah. right here. 
Absolutely. And you know what else I love about Valisal is that you guys, and I don't like saying this, but for some, for a lot of people, they like to try to make it seem like something is just a black thing or, mm-hmm. oh, this is for white people, this is for black people. But your magazine isn't just for black people. Now, it's for black people, by black people, absolutely. Yeah. But it's like anyone, of course, can gravitate towards it and feel included. So oh, yeah. that's what I also love about it as well. I mean, we definitely have people who uh, work for us that are white. So that's it's definitely not limited there. I've definitely have people who, uh, to work for us who are Hispanic um, and different cultures themselves. Uh, a few of our writers um, are from South Africa. Um, we've pulled in people that I was shocked about who have been as far as Czech Republic, which mm-hmm. was surprising just as far as people that far east of being still interested in kind of following us and all of those and as well as even pl- applying for positions to work remote for us. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, France, we have those as well. So no, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that if you're talking about inclusion, if you're talking about um, trying to just have a more diverse and real educated insight into fashion, I want Volatile to make sure that it becomes one of those things. It's almost like a Bible of fashion that people uh really look to to get real insight real stories uh, and real understanding absolutely and that's what i've been using it for absolutely Mm -hmm. um so now let's talk COVID 19 yes how have you guys been surviving in the world of COVID? i mean the good thing about volatile is that you guys have already been digital Mm -hmm. yeah this wasn't like something that you guys needed to get ready for. Whereas a lot of magazines, you know, who still do print and, you know, have had to go on digital over the years. Um, you know, they've, a lot of places are now having to really get into that digital mindset. So um, yeah. how's it been for you guys? Well, for us, I mean, just uh, like you said, the fact that it was already digital, it didn't change what we were doing in the physical um, that that much. I mean, it really kind of catapulted our numbers in a big way um, as far as impressions and viewership. Um, and then one of the more tangible things uh, was the connections that we started to create uh, where we was easily able to reach over to France and reach over to London, uh, reach throughout Africa and really kind of build relationships uh, because people began to be way more comfortable um, doing things like talks uh, via Instagram live or doing Zoom call connections um, or just understanding now what the digital was really able to offer um, and how immediate it was. I know when I was speaking to a lot of people in fashion before and I was, you know, I'd be telling them about digital this, that, and a third that, you know, it was coming, it was the future. Um, And this was only in 2019. So the, the wave hadn't hit yet. A lot of people weren't really that interested. A lot of people really kind of didn't understand it. Um, they were hesitant. And then, you know, fast forward uh, to a few months later, 2020 hits March, everything shuts down. By the end of that, uh, talking September type of months, everybody really wanted to be online. Everybody was looking for something online. Mm-hmm. Everybody was open to doing business online now in a major way. Uh, we know fashion is pr- traditionally a pretty old business uh, mm-hmm. by the people who operate it. So getting them on board, of course, was a slow part. But now that they kind of got on board and got acclimated, 
that's why you're seeing so many digital things pop up now. Um, if you're paying attention, a lot of businesses are changing their models to really try to acclimate to, well, let's really get on social media. Let's make sure we have a digital campaign. Let's make sure we're starting to do, you know, more creative motion covers, mm-hmm. um, which is the thing. So we're starting to see all of that come to the surface right now. How do you think high fashion and fashion week handled COVID? Well, right now, the uh, mandate that has come out is everybody's going to have to have a vaccination card um, to even attend a show. Um, If it's an official New York Fashion Week show, Spring Studios, you're going to have to have a card. Um, A lot of casting agents uh, and, you know, industry designers are making sure that they're following the regulations, even if they aren't showcasing at Spring. Um, So how they're handling it? Um, I don't know. I guess, I, I mean, you, you could say it's kind of for the best, but also I think almost mandating a vaccine is kind of questionable. Um, I would say if they were able to open it up a little bit where they would also accept like a negative COVID test, um, that might be something that, uh, would be a little bit more flexible. So mm-hmm. I think we'll only know once the end is, once, you know, New York fashion, we just finished, uh, France is pretty much doing the exact same thing, mandating a card. Uh, for entry. Uh, I'm unsure about Milan at this moment, uh, as well as London. I think a lot of London, they're still going to stick to the online streaming presentations. But I am interested to see what the populace will be at New York Fashion Week this season, considering it is the first uh, physical fashion week in about two, yeah, in three seasons that we've had. Yeah. So that's going to be a very big thing. How have you liked the streaming, um, the Fashion Week's going to streaming? I thought it was very creative. I love mm-hmm. how um, it was put together for a lot of people. Um, I loved it, honestly. Yeah, I think it was it was good, but it, I also hated in the, the lack of connection it created. Mm-hmm. Um, Fashion Week is almost like a... Uh, It's almost like a convention. I mean, Mm -hmm. if we're being honest about it, I mean, there are so many people who are there to make connections and that you can make connections with on an international level. Um, But with the digital, it made things easier as an editor. I can say that 100 percent because all you have to do now is just kind of review the show online. Uh, You might be able to reach out and ask a couple PR people to send you over images and video. Um, They're way more willing to do that and it's way easier for them. Um, however, the lack of physical presence, it just didn't feel like fashion. Um, and I, after a while, I kind of saw it fading. So that's where we might be now. And I think a lot of, uh, people are still going to hang on to it in a major way instead of presenting what, you know, is a, is a big financial burden for a lot of brands of physical show. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Um, how do you feel about, these brands hanging in there during COVID. I mean, how, are they surviving at this moment? A lot have closed. Um, yeah. A lot have closed. And I think mainly the ones that have closed um, are the ones who weren't accepting digital. Um, mm-hmm. like, I, I, like I said, I remember when I was running through the streets of New York City and kind of knocking on almost every brand's door and like Soho and the Meatpacking District uh, and just kind of going through pitches um, in a, you know, informal way but still the same thing and all a lot of those same brands that were not trying to develop and move forward and kind of move outside the box are some of the same brands that you know at the top of 2021 we're seeing 
they can't hold on anymore and their right. doors are closed and then they're boarded up and all of those things. And it's just, if you don't get with the future of what's going on, they're going to be left in the past. And this time being left in the past means you're probably going to be out of business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how do you feel fast fashion is hanging on? Do you feel like that's hanging on by a thread or fast fashion is like still here to stay? Yeah, I mean, I think fast fashion is one of the things that definitely thrived um, during COVID. Um, I also think fast fashion is here to stay. I really don't think it's going anywhere. Um, ideally, people would like it to just from, you know, the fashion enthusiast standpoint. But I think from the practical consumer and the business side of it, it is too financially comfortable for most consumers. Um yeah. So to still just look good, even if they're not going to wear that outfit uh, anymore, they might wear it one more time that season and then they're on to the next one. So, uh, you know what, Fashion Nova with $30 outfits, Sheen with like $7 outfits, this, yeah. then the third, all they're doing is, you know, they're copying uh, Bottega or they're copying Valentino uh, with a lot of these things. So it's like, are people really that pressed? to actually try to save up to shop this one item that right. goes through the process or do they just want it real quick now to feel like they are actually fashionable and they're kind of in step with everything. Cause that's when you start to get into the conversation of the difference between style versus fashion. Fast fashion has made a lot of people stylish, um, yeah. but well, has made a lot of people unfashionable. Uh, debatable. <laughs> when you when, when you do when you do it right i mean uh, some people if you don't have style you just don't have style but the right. people who you know can follow uh the style trends and what's happening they don't they don't have to go through uh the whole process like they used to and if you don't live in new york and you can't make it to the sample sales that are all of these inexpensive garments that are these size zeros and size ones and size uh twos and fours or whatever because they're not selling them anymore and you can buy them for cheap. If you, if you're not in New York and you're familiar with sample sales, you can easily just go to a, a sheen or sometimes even a pretty little thing, or especially fashion over misguided. Um, when you talk about shoes, what uh, ego and semi and all of that stuff, they, you know, right. they're good. So, yeah. Listen, I'm so excited to be the size that I am now because I can mm -hmm. finally go to the sales in New York. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so hyped. And, and, and fit everything. And I didn't even really know about it until I really got here and started living here beyond just traveling for work. Mm. And it's like you're seeing, you know, these sample sales. And it's like, wait, you can pull this. And I'm, I'm just like, yeah, let me just buy this and use it for well, a and it's, it's, all, it's everywhere. I mean, they never tell you where they are. But, you know, if you walk around the right areas, if you're in Soho, mm -hmm. um, what is it? If you're over there in the Fashion Avenue. Uh, They'll have it posted up. Yeah, they never tell. They never real say. Quick, real quick. And you can, you know, you stop in and you're getting things for $10, $20, $14, $30. All the same yeah. price that you would see on Fashion Nova. And you don't even have to wait for the shipping. So true. I'm so excited now. I can finally fit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. 
So I'm glad that fashion is hanging on, um, even in midst of COVID. I'm excited mm-hmm. for this new um, fashion season. Um, yeah. I do quickly want to just touch on uh, Virgil Abloh. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about him? Like, what are your thoughts about him? Um, well, well, in what capacity? Like, are we talking as a who's going to end up being a fashion icon for Black people? Or are we talking about his presence at uh, Louis Vuitton men or are we talking about him and some of the controversies surrounding potentially kind of copying other designers oh yeah the controversy <laughs> yeah, that, that was deep that was a lot to, to dig from the yeah. controversy of him around a lot of designers because honestly it's like constantly something coming out that he's like stealing mm-hmm. ideas from other designers yeah i mean i think when it it's so interesting because a lot of the process of designer designer fashion takes real time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, did he steal it or mm. is it a trend that was on the way? Mm. Um, because mm-hmm. a lot of things you can also find from some of these smaller designers that look exactly like other smaller designers. And is, and did they steal it? Mm. you wouldn't know they just aren't big enough for us to really care if they stole it or not because they have five thousand followers and another one has 15 nobody cares but when you're talking about somebody substantial um who is leading um, an entire side of a the biggest fashion house that most people can think of it it makes a different conversation Mm. Um, so it's always questionable to me just about did he steal it or did he not just by the pace that designer fashion moves and that you have to go through Mm-hmm. Um, however, so, you know, if you have a lot of resources, sometimes it's possible. We're talking about brands that also probably have a hundred seamstresses, 50 tailors up under their command as creative directors. So finding something real quick, sending it down to where it needs to be sent down to your, it's already been sketched and you kind of make it and put it out. That That's potential, that's potential as well. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's as practical as most people think. But I could be very, very wrong uh, in this regard. And I wouldn't I, I wouldn't take that away from me as well. I mean, I love the different perspective that you gave. So thank you for giving that other outlook because I've never looked at it like that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's something to look at and think about. I mean, I, I just don't I also don't want this to be a conversation to take away from what he has brought to fashion and what he's brought to the culture. Um, not at all. But yeah. it is just very um, it's it's it sucks when it's someone black, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to kind of hear these things all the time and you don't ever want to hear that about your people but I mean you also have to take accountability for certain things as well if that is the case but it's nice to hear another viewpoint so thank you for that oh yeah of course it's not (laughs) I mean it's not just him I mean we've seen it from Balenciaga we've heard it uh from Givenchy Uh, I think people even tried to yeah I mean I think people even tried to throw uh Kim Jones at Fendi in there Um, so I mean it's not just just him um, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely a thing as media opens up and people can see a lot more, as well as, you know, if some of these people can make a lot of claims uh, where they just want to mm-hmm. throw their name in the hat to get some type of press for their business. Mm-hmm. Um, all press, I mean, you know, any press is good press, as they say. Mm-hmm. So if they're following that mantra, that can potentially boost their brand. And now you're having Diet Prada mention somebody with 
20,000 who nobody knew besides their small community, besides one of the biggest designers in the world. Um, so when wow. you start to have things like that, that's going to boost that brand a little bit. People are going to want to support them a little bit more from the sympathy angle. Uh, or even if they don't support now, they might pay attention. So hmm. it's, a, it's a thing. It can be played either way. Wow. Thank you for breaking it down like that, Jared. I never thought of it like that either. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if you're going to play the game, play the game. So yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not about to be mad at your hustle. You're so right. Well, Jared, I do want to thank you so much for coming on. We're going to wrap it up in a little bit, but I do want you to just give the people some beautiful advice if they wanted to break into fashion, no matter what type of um, part of the industry they want to take in, um, whether it's photography, modeling, or even magazine editing or whatever, you know, just give the people some advice on how they can break into it or um, just how to stay passionate about it and just follow their dreams with it. Yeah, I would say um, one of one of the starlight things is don't be afraid to be an intern. Um, don't be fearful of working for free um, in the beginning. Like now, after you've been doing it for like four or five years, okay, you probably should easily start getting some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're early, just starting, when you're in that first year, that second year, that third year, try to get up under somebody who is at least in the lane or the direction in which you want to be. Um, and so that'll speak heavily to all of the um, writers out there or potential stylists out there or photographers, uh, you know, definitely try to get up under somebody, shadow somebody, find a mentor, somebody that can, you know, give you insight. Uh, for models, uh, I would say sign. One, one of the new things that's happening right now is all of these new apps, new websites, um, that models can become booked through. Um, so that's going to be a huge one. Uh, the industry of modeling is changing in a major, major way, and it's happening very fast uh, because of social media. A lot of brands are starting to go directly to models. Uh, but what models need to understand, um, and I'm not seeing them understand this as much as I would like them to, is you need to have a great portfolio. You need to have a great book. Um, you're probably going to have to invest some type of money for that. Um, and there's almost no way of getting around it. You're either going to have to invest for the short term, uh, pay a couple good photographers, get you like nine to 12 great images. That's only three to four looks. Um, try to make sure those looks are diverse. Uh, and you can either pay for it if you want to have it happen quick or if you can't afford it and you have the time, I'm speaking to models at this point, they're like 17, 18, 19, 20 maybe, because time is, is different for them. It, it might take you a year to two years to try to run around testing with smaller photographers, trying to get lucky and hit that one good photographer that might want to work with you, um, whose images are at the level that they need to be to captivate a brand's attention or even an agent's attention. Um, so that's what I would recommend. If, if you are on the creative side, get under somebody. If you are on the modeling side, decide do you want to spend one to two years testing with a lot of photographers um, or do you want to make that one investment uh, very quickly, put it out there, work your book, work your images to as many people as you can um, and just count your return on investment as people start to book you. 
I love it. I'm here for that. So thank you so much. So let the people know where they can find you, how they can support you, and what they can do moving forward to look up, what they can look out for moving forward from Volatile. Yes. So um, definitely feel free to subscribe, please, uh, at VolatileOnline.com. You can, of course, follow the social media at VolatileOnline. Um, we also are really expanding throughout all the social media specters where we're looking to YouTube. Uh, we're getting on Twitter a little bit more, LinkedIn, um, as well as, like I said, Anchor. Uh, we're thinking about expanding there, um, having Tuesday talks more consistently um, to just have industry level conversations where people get a lot of insight. Um, and then if you want to follow me personally, um, you can follow me at Jared Dimitri um, on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jerry. It's always beautiful having you. And thank you so much for just educating my crowd per usual. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. And it's good to have you back. All right. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you later. Have a great night. All right. You too. Bye. So I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to my second episode of We Don't Sip Tea, We Drink Wine. (laughs) And I want to thank my guest, Jared Dimitri, for coming through once again and dropping the knowledge on the fashion industry that every black person who is fashionable or fashion forward needs to know. If you're interested, please make sure you follow Volatile Online Magazine on IG or just online period. And also make sure you guys follow me on IG at wine underscore. I want to thank you guys so much for for coming back to a second episode thank you so much for supporting me and make sure you check out my new website that is right i have a brand new website don't worry i'm posting it all day long on social media so make sure you follow me on tiktok on ig on everything thank you guys and i'll see you next week peace she just told her boss just how she feels. Fuck you. She just hit the club up on a Thursday. Told the bartender I am feeling thirsty. Took a couple shots just like it's her birthday. Hit the tree up just like it was her.